There's a simple reason. He wants to do what? Come. And when he get there, gets there, he said, what do you do? He said, good, I will give you something. Occupy with this until, I, let's just read that scripture, Luke chapter 19. It's very important because we just need to just get this, this train of thought correctly. Verse 11, no, verse 12. The Bible said, he, he told them, he, he was telling them a parable, all right? He said, so he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then returned, and he called ten of his slaves, verse 13, and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. Or in fact, the literal Greek is, do business until I come. He said, then you know the rest of the story. Let's not read everything. Now, just jump down, just to remind ourselves, when he returned, verse 16, okay, let me just go back up to verse 15. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves, to whom he had given the money, be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared, saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Now, look at the next line. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. Let's stop reading here. We know the rest of the story. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. I say this all the time. Was it possible for them to plan to rule ten cities? They were slaves. We're not slaves the way we know slaves, but I mean, they were bond servants of this master. Could they have plotted to rule over ten cities? The answer was no. One, they were not there when kingdoms were being taken. They were not there. They were back at home. The master had his plan. He did not tell any one of them what his plan was. Whatever it is he gave to them was supposed to be a test of their ability to rule cities. But they did not know cities were in question. Listen to me. The best performing, the best planning slave there, we probably have planned for the day his one mina will become 200 minas. That is the best plan he could have had. He fulfilled the first installment and said, all right, I've turned one mina into ten, then the master came back. If the master didn't come that day, if the master delayed some more, the ten may have become a hundred. If the master delayed longer, the hundred may become a thousand. But that man was going to be a mina man all his life, multiplying mina. I hope you are getting my point. Almost all the plans you have, it is on what you are doing currently. I don't know whether you are getting my point. Do you know where he's taking you to? People argue with me about long-term plans. I'm sorry, I think you are ignorant. You're ignorant. Some of the businesses you are planning on right now, they will be... Listen, who would have thought one 30-year-old man will be the fifth richest man in the world because he wrote a simple program? In case you do not know, Mark Zuckerberg, I've, I've analyzed it here several times before. The only reason why he became that rich was because the Chinese made smartphones cheap. If smart, most, smartphones remained with um, Apple alone, 
if, the, if Android didn't come out and Google didn't do what they did with Android to throw it out free, Facebook usage could not have been up to 10% of what it is today. When Facebook, I, 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 I read all these things. A few years ago, the analysis was still on how he can customize Facebook for mobile devices. He does not research into hardware. That's not his business. Listen, they've offered to buy Facebook from him, I don't need to tell you, many times in the past. The only reason why he did not sell, it was going to be hundreds of millions of dollars that time, was he said, what else will I be doing? What turned him around, I'll tell you. Suddenly, Chinese people, part of Koreans and Chinese, they started making smartphones very cheap. Now, before, Facebook was only on the computer. When Facebook began, it was computer. If it remains on computers, he cannot get 200 million users a month. Why you brag on a billion users a month is because almost all of you here that do Facebook, you do it on what? Your mobile device. It was not his idea. Men don't plan things that are not within their control. I still remember when Bill Gates' net worth hit, I've forgotten how many billion dollars. Um, Time magazine projected when the man will hit a trillion dollars in worth. Do I need to tell you? It's never going to happen. I don't need to tell you anymore. But you know it's never going to happen. Why? Because the days of Microsoft being the king of the whole earth, computerized earth, has passed. Microsoft lost out almost entirely on mobile devices. They came in late into the mobile technology. They tried to do catch-up, produce Microsoft Surface. It did not sell. But Nokia killed it in the process. They tried, but you see, the kingdom belongs to God, not to any man. And God took Google and Facebook and gave them that kingdom. That's it. It's pure catch-up. Listen. <laughs> May Google not, not turn their back again. <laughs> Those guys. Do you know how many companies they've closed up? Nobody makes maps anymore because nobody buys. All your maps are on your tab. On your phone. Those companies that are making maps, that people were making long-term projects of a map manufacturing. Where are they? They are gone. Totally gone. Listen, you can't plan long-term. You can't. All that one, they were saying, when, when Bill Gates become this rich, it's not, never going to happen. Why? Because the kingdom shifted from computers sitting on your table to devices in your hands. And, and what they call Microsoft has a minimal share in that area. That's it. What am I going to say? I'm just using to explain a principle here. You, can, you see, this life is so complicated. Why do you want to tell me the other day? Of when, who was I talking with? Dangote offered Dangote cement to Lafarge. And Lafarge was making noise. They offered how many percent? Yes, they wanted to control. The man said no. Thank God they said no. Let's not be doing business analysis. I will have told you many stories here. All these men are making Dangote. 
You know what made Dangote this rich? The stock market boom of a few years ago. It was not within his powers. It happened, and it happened to be prepared. That's why I am explaining. Listen, when you want to make plans, I'm not saying you don't make plans, because I said be occupied till I come. I told you the man said, sorry, the man that made 10 minutes, if the Lord didn't come back, he would have made 100. If he did not come back, he would have made 1,000. But we Christians know that he's going to come back. So we keep busy knowing that one day he's going to come back. As long as he's not back, we'll be multiplying the minas. But we know he's going to return. That's what I'm trying to explain. So he said, okay, wherever I put you, I give you something. Be occupied. I am going to come there. Be occupied there till I come. Do you know the reason why Nigeria is... Listen, you go to the United States of America, all right? Nigerians are the most educated human beings in America. They are more educated than the whites as a group. In Africa, they are known. When they say Nigeria is the giant of Africa, forget oil money, forget land mass. The behavior of the human beings is the issue. You don't know Nigerians. They are known everywhere. Even when they want to commit crime. Let me tell you the truth. South Africa said apartheid, apartheid. So nobody was going there. Then they opened the door. And Nigerians moved in there. I know the truth about Nigerians. They don't have inferiority mentality. They look at a white man in the face. They don't know that he's white. He's the one that's deficient in black. <laughs> that's the Nigerian's mentality. You are white is your problem. Doesn't, uh, is he putting food on my table? <laughs> they said there are restaurants in South Africa. Eh? Because the South African man grew up under... Say there are restaurants in South Africa. If you see a black man there, you don't need to check. He's Nigerian. They know. He's the one, the white man has called me. Tell the man, shift, I got here first. And he's not thinking anything about it. He's not, there's nothing. What is it? It's not, it's just normal life. One of my friends wanted to, those that went to Nigeria, used to want to run everywhere. He went to one of these countries that bordered Nigeria in the north. So he went to a European or American embassy. I think a European country's embassy. He wanted to use, get his visa from there. So he got there. He saw one long queue, and there were black people on that queue. He saw another queue. That queue was short, and it was at the back of that long queue. So he asked the people that, please, why is that queue short? Why is this one long? And they told him simply that this queue is for the, like the Africans and the locals, and now that queue is for the maybe Europeans and all of that. He left that queue. <laughs> and he went and joined the other one. And he just stood there. Short queue. The other one was long. So after some time, somebody calls call, call his attention that he's not supposed to be with that queue. He's supposed to be with that queue, the longer one. So he asks the person, why? Yeah, just tell me why. So there was a bit of like, ah, what do you mean I tell you why? He said, if we're here from the same thing, for the same thing, I need an explanation why I should be on that queue that is long and this one is short. He said, or oh, you want me to write a report to United Nations that you are discriminating against black people in their own country? The other guys looked and just concluded he's a Nigerian. That they didn't need any other thing. He said they just looked at him and all of them just whispered, that guy's a Nigerian. That they know them. you see where I'm going in a moment. Do you know why they're like that? I'll tell you. It will surprise you. It's simply because missionaries came and planted schools everywhere. You don't think much of the missionary teacher, but he's the reason why your friends are that bold. 
That's the point I'm making. It's because they can plant schools everywhere. So you are used to speaking English. English comes to you naturally. Many of you here, the only language you speak is English. My children only speak English. I've tried to make sure them speak something else. It's hard. Because me and my wife don't understand any other thing <laughs> apart from English talking to each other. No, really. So, there's no way they get to tomorrow. They open their mouth, their English should be clean, flawless. In fact, one day I was filling a form. I think uh, this was long ago. It was, a, uh, was, a, was a, a, a program somewhere in um, um, Liverpool. That was when I was a resident doctor. They said you should fill your first language. I think I wrote English there. Now, what do you mean? I'm not joking about it. I converse better in English than I do in my native tongue. I can't pray. That's how you know. I can't pray in Yoruba language. I can't. I can't talk to the Lord. I can't express myself to him in anything but English. So when he said I should fill the form, I said, no. That's my first language. I'm explaining something here. Why is it like that? It's simple. Missionaries came. They came from everywhere. And they started dropping schools. Dropping schools. You didn't realize it, but they were building self-esteem in people. That is why today, Nigeria has become the number, okay, I don't know whether it's number one or number two, but we are among the top two gospel exporting countries in the world. For a long time, it was United States. But I won't be surprised if we are overtaking them by now. That's the reason. I'm going to explain something here. Jesus said, be occupied until I come. I'm coming. And he said, okay, what do I do? He said, I will give you a gift. I will give you a talent, like we say. I will give you a mina. Take it. I will put, put you somewhere. There, sit down until I come. Remember, we're talking about the true service of God. Remember? That's what it's all about. We are working with God. Not when we come to church alone. No, 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 no. Wherever you find every child of God, any child of God, he's not there by accident. He's supposed to be there. She's supposed to be there until he comes. So what do I do? Be occupied. What is with what? This. You're getting my point here. Be occupied with what? This. And that this is what we call gifts. That is the this in it. Be occupied with this. He gave each person a gift. And he will arrange this person to find himself or herself somewhere. And he says, stay there until I come. Please, I hope you are following my point here. And I've explained this. Listen, he's the one that knows what he's doing. He's the one that knows what he's doing. He doesn't give us details. I told the story of Pai Elton. The man came to Nigeria and was occupied with preaching. The story we're reading, ministered to people like Babalola and Co. You understand? taught them certain things concerning the Holy Spirit, and he was occupied, affecting the lives of multitudes. As of today, the top ministers that you know in this country, he touched all of them. Was he rich? Let me just say something. It's not even a question to ask. It's irrelevant. What do you call riches? We read the book of Revelations. A church, outwardly, they were poor. Jesus said, but you are rich. And in that church, they were very rich. Jesus said, you are wretched and poor and blind and naked. 
But that man we are talking about, we are all feeling his effect till today. Listen to me. He's a preacher. I appreciate that. But it's not only for preachers. That's why I told the story of missionaries who came and taught school. They're just school teachers. They are there. They're impacting people. Impacting people. Impacting people. Getting ready for when the Lord will come for them. Getting ready for when the Lord will come and harvest them. Planting the doctrines of God in the hearts of young people. We don't know how God is doing his thing. He tells somebody, you, be a civil servant. Go and work in federal civil service. Your name is Daniel. Stay there. Don't live there. You're not going back. You're not going back to, to, to Jerusalem. You will not see the temple again. But 4,000 years later, men will be reading what you wrote. Are you getting my point? And they will be getting direction. Churches will gather. Thousands will gather and study your words so that they will have direction for their life. You would not have been able to do that, Daniel, if you were a prophet to Israel. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You would not have been able to do that if you were a priest. You would not have been able to do that if you were a soldier. You wouldn't have been able to do that if you were a businessman. So I put you in a place where everybody takes care of every other thing. You just serve the king. And this man served the king. He died as an old man. He was in Babylon for, definitely we are sure of, more than 70 years. A man who came in as a teenager. Assuming he was 15. 70 years. At 85 was when he was praying that Israel will go back. I hope you are getting my point here. When we are talking about serving God, that's what we are talking about. Serving God is not having... <laughs> let me just say this again. You can have all your plans, but just know they will fail. You know, plans are there to keep you busy. <laughs> Do you understand my point? Yeah, to keep you busy. That your men are strategized for making a thousand. But now I have told you, one day, you will have, just, you will have made only ten when he will come. Can I remove you from being a mina multiplier to being a ruler of ten cities? Then now you are not doing any business anymore, trying to multiply minas. You are trying to keep order in ten cities. Now you have police under your control. You have fire service under your control. You have sanitation people under your control. Are you getting my point? You are not the one in charge of counselors. Uh, who are, do you get my point? Ten, ten cities. Ten. Please, let's not forget that. What I'm emphasizing that how do we occupy? What are we to be occupied with? Each person has what? A gift. And the use of that gift in the place where he has kept you is what is called the service of God. Why do you come to church? It is so that you can be encouraged to work properly. It is so that you can learn how to use the grace of God that is upon your life. It is not the attendance in church that is the service of God. Believe me. No matter what it looks like. That's why I told all the stories I told. If it looks mundane, just make sure you are doing it faithfully diligently, knowing that. And somebody said, what's your long-term plan? He said, ah, well, we do this until he comes. When he comes, well, I don't know the plan. He's out there doing some things. Maybe he's taking over cities. I may have to rule one of them. I don't know. But when he comes, he judges me on how faithful I have been with what he gave me. Not how faithful I have been in pursuing the agenda of other people. I think people can argue it, but currently the most powerful politician in Nigeria after the president 
He's the vice president. That's what he has said. A man who didn't spend a dime campaigning. <laughs> a man who did not spend, that is, lobbying, okay, let's bring money to campaign. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't do that. What's Forget the details about his life. What just happened was that after men have fought, spent money, did everything, at the end of the day, the current audience they say, ah, Jagaban, you try. <laughs> to make me head president, you try. I will therefore give you the honor of appointing. It was in the papers. It was not hidden. You appoint who the vice president will be. He just said, he gave a few conditions. Of course, we all know the VP had to be a Christian. We know that because of the political balance in Nigeria. But he also gave some other conditions. One, the fellow must be young. And he said it must be somebody, if anything happens to me, who will not start stealing. He said that, it's not new. I, look, he's been saying that for a long time. So they sat down and <laughs> Jagaban looked and said, what these thieves? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. The man looked around and said, who's the only person that I trust and this man will accept? And he said, you come. Be the vice president. I hope you're getting my point. Be occupied until I come. That's the way it works. Look, even let's just talk more politics. Listen, if you think men become things because they schemed, some of the hardest schemers in Nigeria, God puts a, a stumbling block before them and says, You will never get anywhere. Pastors were printing flyers to support politicians in this city. And God was laughing. He said, this is the one over. Men of God, were, they were prophesying. It shall be well with you. The Lord has appointed you for such a time as this. It's a lie. <laughs> when you give prophets money, it's a terrible thing. They, are, they can't see clearly again. Many of us in this time, who, who would have thought that the person that our beloved governor will point to will not get something? When I heard political machinations in Abuja, I first saw even for the governor himself. You see, may God not stand against you. May he be on your side. By you being on his side. God doesn't adjust his will to suit you. You adjust your own to flow with him. If he's on your side, believe me, you will see wonders. When he's against you, Just, you know, that's why he loved David. Once you just suspect the Lord is against you, you know what you do? You just go and say, Lord, that place I was planning to go before, I'm not going again. Just lie down there. Wherever you want me to go, just let me know. I've abandoned the idea I don't want again. You should be there. You should have been there when MQ Abiola won the election in 1993, right? June 12th. He defeated Tofa in his own local government. But Tunde Bakari has said, you will never be president. The Christians had prayed that for your sins in the days of OIC, you will never rule. He won the election complete. Complete. He won it well. Bashir Tofa congratulated him. Considered defeat that, yes, Oga, you did. You won. But the God who reigns in heaven who rules over the affairs of mankind, 
So this guy, forget it. And you know why he died? It's a spiritual reason. Because he wouldn't accept. If he had said to the Lord, all right, your will be done. He would have left his imprisonment, gone back to business, you know, be advising men like Dangote today. But he said, no, that was his end. You don't, don't disagree with God. If you disagree with him, you will end like that. That's the way life is. What am I saying? Listen, God is in control. Listen, what he has prepared for you to take over, you don't know. And you can't guess. It has nothing to do with what you want. I always like to give myself as an example. By the time I came to Enugu to come and pick up my appointment later to start teaching University of Nigeria Enugu campus, it was my second visit on my, in my life to this city. The second. The idea, by the time I was leaving university, it didn't cross my mind I would live in eastern Nigeria. It, are you going my point? It's not, it's not do you like it or you don't like it. It didn't cross my mind. I went to serve in the north. After that, I went to Lagos. I did my residency training. I had finished residency training. I had gotten married. The idea of coming to Enugu has still not crossed my mind. Until one day. Of course, my training was over. Where, where am I going next? I got a job. I had an offer. The head of the department and professor in Ife called me and said, look, your office is waiting. Here and there, we're thinking. One day I went to Ife, I think, go and see him or somebody. And I realized that, no, my wife wouldn't like this place. There's something about it. I just, I was, and then there was, the offer had an, had something inside it, which I felt would not be good for my ministry. You understand? There's something about it, all right? My friend that just said that, ah, why don't you come to Enugu? I said, Enugu. Then the chaplain of um, the chapel in Parkland, he came to Lagos that time, you know, just to greet me, congratulate me. Yeah, you know, I just got married, just finished my training. Just said, ah, by the way, I think you should think about coming to Enugu. To be a nice place, you will like it. And they need a pathologist. Those are the two people that started the idea in my mind. The idea is sat there. For the first time in my life, let me make a long story short. I sent my CV through people who came for other exam or training in Ibadan. Then one day they said, please come. Your appointment letter is waiting. That, to come and pick the letter was my second visit in my life to this city. The first one being when we came up for a Christian medical conference in UNEC around 1988-89. Not very sure which of the years now. 88-89. That was the first. We just stayed for about two, you know the way it is, Christian conference, two, three days. We're back. By the time I arrived in Enugu, it was obvious I didn't plan to come here. I was sent here, and he said, Occupy, be busy until I come. Enugu was not this fine that time. My friend came the other day, he said, Banky, Banky. That was about three days ago. He said, Man, you guys have been blessed with good governance in this city. You have been blessed. I said, Yes, we have been preaching the word in this city. Yes, it doesn't just happen anyhow. Those who were here that time, if you remember, we used to prophesy it. How many banks were in town? We said, don't worry. The many will open because we need a lot of resources to do what we need to do. Then Charles Dudo came and said, all banks open. I said, you see? I said, I told you. Banks are going to open. It didn't even cross our minds that they will have an international airport. But we have been calling them to come. <laughs> Listen, there has to be an international airport near my house. There has to be. There has to be. He said, occupy until I come. Watch it, oh. This one, you see me here every Saturday. It is timed. The day will come. They say, is pastor coming this weekend? I say, ah, we don't know. 
Yes, it's going to happen. No, no, that one. I am 100. Okay, okay. Let me not say 100. That's not good. 99.2%. Because anytime he comes back, you are never where you used to be. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. When he will come, you don't know. He said, just be occupied. Let me end my message here. This is the point I'm making. Listen, wherever you are today, he knows you are there. He actually posted you there. And he gave you a gift. He gave you a talent. He gave you a meaning. I said, look, be using that thing until I come back. He didn't say, be a preacher till I come. That's what I'm talking about. He said, there are a few things I want you to do. One, walk in righteousness and holiness. Maintain a testimony. Do you understand? Let your life be like that of Daniel. That's what I'm asking for. Always give me the glory for whatever happens in your life. They are sim- just sim- look. There are not too many burdens. You go and read that book of Revelation. He said, "Look to this church. I, I'm not placing on you any other burden more than the things that you have been doing already. They are not difficult things. All this one of do something that will pay you for God is not the gospel of God." So if your offering is not paying you, it's not an offering. Listen, it's a lie. Whether it pays you or doesn't pay you, once it's your money, it's an offering. God is not, look, he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Somebody should tell you that if the burden is not heavy, it's not from God. What kind of joke is that? Have you heard it before? Until that offering pains you, it can't draw something from God. Let me not comment further on it. It's just not true. <laughs> no, listen. All I said, his, his, his commandments are not hard. He says, okay, that place I have placed you. Be faithful. Be diligent. Walk in righteousness. When they are stealing, don't join them. If you go to church, you don't have money for offering. Call, hey, explain to the pastor, I don't have money for offering. I, 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 are you getting my point? Look, it, there's no burden. He said, just do that. Then make sure, another thing, you will discover the gifts that I gave to you. Please use it, if, whether it's making money or it's not making money. Do all of these things and then be patient. I will come. So, I gave the testimony of one of our brothers. He said, his skill, the one God gave him, is with children. One tall, lanky guy like this. He said, when children see me, they are excited. He graduated from the University of Benin. Where do you work? He said, I work in a primary school. You like the job? Yes. He said, I'm specially gifted with these children. God said, listen, no, I don't want to hear. You want to do a master so you can get a job in university. Don't teach adults. It's simple. Are you getting my point? You know, this life, Christians have plot a career plan. I say, okay, this man is more important because he has a PhD and he's teaching adults. Adults are very difficult to teach. Stubborn people. I don't know why they want to teach adults anyway. <laughs> and they think, ah, jokes, this is not true. <laughs> adults. So the Lord says to that young man, listen, I've given you this gift. Stay there. They, they don't pay so well in nursery school. He said, I didn't say die there. I said, wait there until I come. So why is this whining? I, I don't know what I get my point. I said, just stay there until I come. 
What is your problem? The little money they are paying, learn how to manage it. I will be back. You know, Christianity is not a joke. One of my friends is down the other day. He said in this life, you have to sign a non-compete clause, non-compete clause with yourself. You Non-compete. Because God said this, I gave you, this young man, a gift. Stay there till I come. When I come back, you don't know what I'm coming with. If you leave that place, your name is Demas. Demas left because he wanted a better job. Go and read it. Yes, read my book. Don't quit the army. That's what I explained inside there. So the Lord said, listen, if I give you a gift, no matter what you do in life, make sure you are in a place where you can what? Exercise it. Don't take a job that does not allow you that exercise. Your presence in a place, listen, it is not about your comfort. It's that that is a place I want to come to. Once you leave, what you are saying to me is don't come here. I don't know whether you are following my point. God said, if you leave, what you are saying to me is, sir, don't come here. Say, Lord, this place is dangerous. Oh. Don't come. Say, why shouldn't I come? Say, the offering is not good. Man of God. Pastors are very funny people. They leave a place because they say the offering here is not good. And what, what do they call not good? Thanksgiving, if you are a pastor in the village, your Thanksgiving is what? Yam, yeah. uh-huh. Chicken, uh-huh. Plantain, oh God. More, more. Coconut. And do you know these are things that God brings to people, but they say it's not good. Why? Because their friend in Lagos on his birthday, Pastor, you've been a blessing. Hallelujah. They remove the raft. Hey, Land Cruiser. Hey. <laughs> and now when I start speaking English, praise the Lord. I'm so impressed by this church. Um, you've been a tremendous blessing to me. Hallelujah. I wish God would give all of us the eyes of angels. You see the foolishness. Some of those cars, and the angels are looking at them and they look like KK. <laughs> you are impressed in it. God says, see, that car they've given him. Say, now he can't sleep again. This is a man who, when he goes to bed before, 10 o'clock, I need the Holy Spirit to wake him up to pray. But now, hallelujah, he's plotting because of motocar. Revelation has reduced in intensity. And he thinks he's rich. And he's now conf- confusing his friend in the village. Listen, if you're a pastor in the village and they bring you coconut, crack it, eat it as unto the Lord. Call people and say, in the night he was betrayed, he took coconut. Break it, share. <laughs> Rejoice, why? He wants to come. Are you getting my point here? There are people that will stay in those places. And God says, this place, because you stayed, is going to become a manufacturing hub in 25 years. Your very presence drops an anointing in the place. One day, you, you, you know, spiritual things is the way it works. You won't even connect it directly. One of the people that maybe was with you in church, those days, hustling, the boy left, went to school, did it, and they now say, ah, they need to build factory. Yes, ah, that area. You won't know how it is. Next thing you know is that they start clearing land. Say, what is going on? A new factory is coming. Because one man stayed. 
a place that used to be bush becomes a manufacturing hub. That is the way life is. Your life has to be poured as an offering. That's just the way it is. Talking about service of God, that's, that's my message for today. Let's go. He has given you a gift. He has placed you somewhere because he wants to come there. Until I come, identify your gift and be using it. Let me say this and I close, alright? Just very important. Don't, the fact that they promoted you and gave you a title to pastor doesn't mean you are not going to go to hell. Yes, I need, no, I need, I, I need to keep saying this thing. Because Christians still think, this, you know, my, my friend's church, Pastor Okimote, people still celebrate ordination as deacon. Kill goats. Come and rejoice with me. I've been ordained deacon. How can we be so foolish? Now your life is in danger. You are celebrating. They make you a deacon. You know what, what um, James said? He said, good. Now your judgment is going to be tighter. He was talking about teachers especially. What is there to celebrate that you are not dick? It's just because you think it's promotion. If they make you dick and come from now on in the name of Jesus, you will serve the people of God. Amen. You go home. People, they will gather. Congratulations. I'm not a dick. The man is a thief in the office, but he's a dick. He thinks that will make, it means God has forgotten all his stealing. Please, all this church promotion does not mean anything. It doesn't make God approve of your life. They can give you a title in church. That is the very reason you will die early. I know people, the day they call them bishop, that's it. God marked the day, the day of their death. Say, so this guy, he's been crowned bishop of a, an, of, of a denomination. Tells the angel, take this sword. On this particular day, kill him in the morning. I'm not, I didn't say devil. So let's get it clear. Church promotion does not mean you are doing God's work. You can take a title. That is the day God decides that you won't live much longer. It is very, very possible. God is, not, is never impressed that you multiply what he did not give you. You are getting my point here? He, gave, he said, do business with this. If he didn't give that one to you, don't multiply. Try to impress him with, with it. No, forget that. It doesn't work. They promoted you in church does not mean God is pleased. Very important. If you are not, doing, if you are not where you are supposed to be, occupying the way he said you are supposed to be occupying, you are not going to be pleasing to him. That's it. That's the summary of it. The title pastor does not mean you are spiritual. Bishop does not mean you are doing your work well. Deacon is now political. There are many deacons that are not born again. So don't be impressed at all with any, with your, forget other people, your own title. Don't be impressed. Doesn't mean you are, doesn't mean you are serving God. Human promotion says nothing about whether you are serving God or you are not. My friend saw one, one funny human being that they used to be in church together. Let us assume the guy's name was, uh, let me look for another name. Hmm? Okay, let's assume his name was Chris. It's not you, but uh, you know, he was one that said Chris. Catch him after he said Chris. He saw him and said, oh, Chris, long time. The guy said, wait. Now, Pastor Chris. So my friend was taking her back. The guy should pause. I'm now pastor. And of course, the texture of his hair had changed. His head must not lack oil. <laughs> These are people that go just kill, just for the fun of it. Just, just to see Michael. Michael, have you killed anybody recently? <laughs> Michael was saying, no, sir. You, you want exercise? You want practice? You want foolish boy down there? <laughs> I've been trying to correct him for six years now. I won't hear. 
Why? Because he thought tied to was a sign of progress. Anyway, you, you won't die in Jesus' name. You will stay where God planted you. You will fulfill his call for your life. Your, his grace will show in your life. Please, give me one moment. Let me just say this. No matter how unspiritual your gift looks, you don't know how God is working. You may be an accountant in an accounting firm. It doesn't look spiritual. You're accounting money and checking books. But God says, wait, I'm coming. I don't know whether you get my point there. You may be a mother at home nursing four children. doesn't look very spiritual. But God says, be busy, I'm coming. When I come, I have something prepared you never thought about. Let's bow down here to pray.